Blue Wire. Osweiler in trouble. Osweiler brought down Khalil Mack. Oh, here comes Bullshot. Whistle without a helmet. J.J. Watt will always put his fingerprints on a game. Steps up, and he's going to be hit from the side, and he's going down. That's a sack. Darius Leonard, the maniac. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne, and this is presented by Blue Wire. I'm really excited about the show this week because I have an interview coming up here shortly with ESPN's Mike Golick Jr. We're going to be talking a lot about offensive line play and things related to it, as well as a couple other things. But I wanted to bring him on because we've had him and I have had some really good conversations on Twitter about different offensive linemen, offensive line play in general. And he spent a little bit of time with the Steelers and Saints after playing at Notre Dame. So he was exposed to a lot of really high-level coaching and players. Um, He comes from a family of athletes. I just thought he'd be a great guest, and he certainly delivered. I thought he was outstanding. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we we ranged, uh, the topics, you know, ranged from Zach Martin to Ronnie Stanley uh, we talked about Marquise Pouncey, who was a guy I really wanted to get a little bit more on from him. Max Unger talked about the Joe Moore Award and, and a few other things. Um, but Mike, he does great work on ESPN. He's a college football analyst. And also, I think, you know, the Joe Moore Award is one of the more unique awards, if not the most unique award in all of sports, certainly college football. And we really kind of got the backstory on that, uh, you know, among other things. So, yeah, without further ado, here's my interview with Mike Kohler Jr. All right, everybody, I'm here with Mike Golick Jr. from ESPN. He's an ESPN college football analyst. He is often on the Golick and Wingo show. Sorry in advance podcast, which I just listened to the episode went with uh, Gardner Minshew's dad. I thought that was a really cool show. Um, but yeah, Mike, welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I know you, you played offensive line. You played at Notre Dame. You come from a family of athletes. And I'm, I would imagine, you know, just based on the things that you're doing now, you don't necessarily get to talk a whole lot in detail about offensive line. So I thought it'd be really cool to get you on the show. And, you know, that's what this is all about. So, um, you know, I thought that this could be kind of a, a fun little break for you and something that we can have fun doing. Man, you're not kidding. Like, it, it, it really is funny. Like, podcasting in general is so fun because you get to delve into things so much deeper. But you're right. We sit here and we all nerd out about offensive line play. I know you and I tweet each other a bunch. O-line Twitter is this great community full of all these clips of offensive linemen that we're all pulling. And you certainly do a great job of that. But it, we don't. It doesn't play quite as well on national radio yet. I'm still finding a way to work it in there. But this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, doing the things that you're doing, I think, is is great for the community as well, getting it more into the mainstream view. Uh, But, you know, I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about your career at Notre Dame and just also what you were exposed to in your time in the NFL, just, you know, with the Steelers and the Saints. Uh, From what I understand, you basically spent off seasons with each team. Is that right? 
Yep, I spent one off season, so my rookie off season with the Steelers, and then uh, parts of the next two with the Saints. So had a couple of had a couple of stints in New Orleans. Unfortunately, didn't stick, but like you said, got exposed to some unbelievable players and some uh, some all time guys for sure in those rooms. Yeah, for sure, and and just with uh, offensive line in general, uh, what do you, what did you see in you know during your time in the NFL as being some of the common denominators in terms of traits in these guys and the really you know big name successful guys? Do you think what do you think translates into the, and is the most important facet of being successful as an offensive lineman at that level? I, I honestly think because you guys, you see guys do it physically so different in so many ways, but the guys I saw that were the best were absolutely fanatical and like borderline psychotic about their approach to how they were in practice. Like the two centers that I saw uh, in my time there, obviously in uh, Pittsburgh, it's Marquise Pouncey, who's still there. And in New Orleans, it was Max Unger, who just recently retired this last offseason. And both of those guys, and you and I have exchanged notes about Pouncey, but I was always amazed. There wasn't a walkthrough. There wasn't a single period where he wasn't doing every part of his technique full speed, every part of it. We used to actually running the scout team on the other side from him, always trade and take turns of who had to play the nose or the shade, depending on what kind of defense we were running, because you knew every rep Pouncey was going to punch you in the chest as hard as he possibly could. And you thought he was being a jerk about it, but then you turn on the tape on Sunday and you realize that's what he's going to do every single time. And you know this, with offensive line play, it is about reps. You have to do everything 10,000 times and then some before you're going to be able to feel confident throwing it on the field. So I I was impressed by that. And for a guy like Max Unger, who is one of the better centers and has been one of the better centers in the last decade in the NFL, he was a guy that operated like he was an undrafted free agent, not, you know, a former first round pick who had been an all pro. If he, you know, if a snap was off, if there was anything slightly off, he would come back cursing himself out to the sideline, cursing himself out while we were all standing behind. And I'd be looking at him like, dude, they're going to cut me. They're not going to cut you. Like you don't have to freak out about this, but that was how much he cared about it. And that was the, the level of passion and preparation that both of them thought was necessary to go out and succeed despite being, you know, physically and skill set wise, and even technique wise, largely different players. Yeah, that's that's really good insight. And with Pouncey, you know, we've talked about him in the past, and I've highlighted him over the last few years. And something that jumped out to me was his hand usage, specifically how violent and explosive he was with his hands. Is is that something that he talked about? You know, sort of bringing an edge to his game, maybe like in the meeting rooms and things like that. Is that something that? you know, that, that that he often kind of referred to as a strength of his game or, or, you know, is there any insight into that that you could share? Yeah. I mean, I think definitely, I mean, when you think of both the pounties, they're just such freak athletes at the position. Like rarely at the business center, are you getting guys that can pull and do all the things athletically they can, but no, he, he always did take pride in the idea that he was going to stun whatever defender was across from him and view that as such an asset to his game that when I think of Pouncey, I think of two things. I think of those hands and I think of his feet because they never stop moving. And there's a lot of guys, some guys have quiet feet and smooth feet. You know, I, I think of Joe Thomas. And when we watch him at Notre Dame, you didn't think his feet touched the ground. He glided so well, or, you know, a guy that just came out like Elton Jenkins from Mississippi state last year, who was a guy who his feet don't move a lot. He's really efficient with the movement. Pouncey's feet are always moving. He's always keeping himself in front of guys. And those hands, you're right, are, are such an asset for him because he's, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not some 330-pound behemoth, but 
he is strong and he's functionally strong in that way. And, and he realizes if you can get hands on a guy like that and shock him early, you gain such an advantage. And so him putting that on display every day was huge to see as a young guy, who, you know, you can hear it preach to you. I, Harry Heastan was my old line coach my last year at Notre Dame. And we would work on throwing your punch and trusting your punch. But when you see it from a guy that had been doing it at the highest level like that in person day after day, I think it resonates so much with other players and especially younger players. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers because you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's, no, there's absolutely no risk and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to Roman.com slash BlueWire and get a free visit started. So when you were at Notre Dame playing for Coach Heastan, I mean, who was there? Was was uh, Ronnie Stanley there and any other current guys in the NFL that I'm pretty sure almost all of them, right? Uh, yeah, so I actually, when I was there, my fifth year was Ronnie's true freshman year. So Ronnie was Ronnie was still a pup back then, but Zach Martin was our starting left tackle on that team, obviously, you know, all-world everything for the Cowboys now, playing white, right guard. Chris Watt was the other guy that ended up playing for a while in the NFL off that line, was a third-round pick of the Chargers back in the day, was injured and is, you know, unfortunately no longer playing now, but around some great guys there and certainly, you know, got to know just through coming back and being around Harry, Quentin Nelson, Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey was a guy that was around getting recruited. So I, I met him when he was a, you know, a thin high school recruit, kind of like a baby giraffe that they were getting ready to stack all that weight on. So it's, it's so funny to look up now and see those guys. Nick Martin was a redshirt freshman on that team, uh, Texan center now. So 
knowing all of those guys when they were kids. And that, you know, it's, it's funny because you see them all now and they're grown men doing great stuff out there. But in a lot of ways, every time we get together, you still sort of slip into that role of, you know, feeling like you're there, you know, you're there, uh, you know, the upperclassmen in there. They're, they're such great dudes, all of them. I think that's what makes it the most fun when we can't get together is they're, they're still the same guys that they were back at Notre Dame, too. And I wanted to talk about the Joe Moore Award a little bit and sort of what you guys do. But before that, Zach Martin, so that's a name you know, that I always oh. want to hear more about. Uh, you know, I, in my opinion, just from my film studies and things like that, I think he's really been the most consistent offensive lineman that I've seen over the last four or five years, any position. And I had Ronnie Stanley on my podcast a few months back and I asked him about him as well. And what he said stood out most to him was his toughness. But to you, when you think of Zach Martin being around him like you were, what to you stands out most and makes him as special as he is? Yeah, I think with Zach, it, it really all just his approach. Like Zach is so steady. First off, like locker room wise, he's an an all world dude. Like he is the absolute quintessential guy you want to have a beer with. Is never going to different, you know, differentiate himself or think he's better than anyone else. Like Zach is a true lunch pail guy, and like that's a credit. Pam and Keys, his mom and dad, you know, his brothers, including Nick. Are, are just all so grounded in such a great family that knowing them, it's not a shock the way that Zach has turned out now. Uh, but a- as far as a player, I think the thing that impressed us all the most, I remember, so Zach was a freshman, Frank Verducci was our offensive line coach. That was, uh, that was Charlie Weiss's last year was Zach's freshman year there. And Frank was our line coach at the time. Um, and I remember just seeing the way that Zach did stuff so naturally well, you know, as he's going outside, still keeping his weight so balanced so that his transition back inside, if a defender redirected, it, it all just happened without a ton of coaching at that point. And so as he went along, because he was, you know, a 275-pound kid coming out of high school, what wasn't huge, but slowly stacked that weight on and just became so consistent every day. Like, we used to call Zach the war because in four years, I don't think I ever saw Zach Martin lose a one-on-one playing left tackle for us. And we had Stefan to it and we had other guys that were going to be, you know, future NFL players rushing on defense. And every time Zach would just throw his hands and he'd set out there and he would politely escort everyone by the quarterback. And you would just sit there and you know, nod your head and wonder why the hell it didn't feel so easy when you got up there to do your rep. But, uh, and like, uh, technically for me, I think Zach throws his hands better than almost anyone else. I think he could play tackle in the NFL if he needed to. I know a lot of people, you know, because of his size don't agree. I think, because of how technically sound he is, he could absolutely pull it, pull it off at that level. And, and then his hips, he does such a good job. We used to, I mean, Harry Heastand is a Joe Moore guy, and the one thing every disciple of either of those trees will tell you is you do a bleep ton of mirror dodge drill in practice. And I thought the thing that Zach does better than almost anyone alive is he gets his foot to that near cone, gets his foot to that point. His hips are always going to be in front of the defender, even if his upper body you know, gets knocked down, even if his arms get knocked down, he's always going to have his feet in front of you. And so he's always going to have a chance. Yeah, that's a great description of of Martin. And yeah, he's just, he's an absolute joy to watch as somebody who loves offensive line play. And with the Joe Moore Award, can you just talk a little bit about that too? And just what you guys are doing? Because, you know, I mean, I know pretty much you guys are watching a, a ton of college football film, a lot of offensive line play, obviously you hand out the coolest trophy I think in college football that giant Joe Moore award um, which is just really really cool but can you talk a little bit about that and also just maybe some offensive lines that are standing out most to you so far this year 
Yeah, absolutely. So the Joe Moore award is really cool. Obviously, uh, Joe Moore is such a central figure in the offensive line community. I mentioned he was a guy that Coach Heath Dan looked up to and taught us so much about. And, and then you get around some of the guys, you know, Aaron Taylor and Cole Kubla, guys who lead the charge for us on the award. A.T. was a guy that played for Joe back at Notre Dame and, and just trying to really celebrate the legacy of a guy that gave so much and believed in the ultimate team position that offensive line is. And so that's what the award wants to reward is that idea that it takes five guys seeing everything through one set of eyes, acting as one and going out there and being that only award in college football that rewards the whole unit. Because we understand while winning the Outland or winning the Remington Award are all great honors, there is something special about that group bond and understanding that we all do it together. And so I think that's why it matters so much to everyone who's around the award is because we've all been a part of that and been touched by what that position has done to us and what our coaches and what our teammates have all meant to, you know, not only who we ended up being as players, which is great, but I think a large part of who we all are as people and a lot of guys as fathers and husbands are because of the things that we picked up in those O-line rooms, these group of like-minded individuals. So it's trying as best we can to celebrate and reward that in process. And I think the coolest part about it, you know, is, just seeing how much it also means to the O-line community now when you hear from coaches, when, you know, I go and call college games now, and when you see it in someone's media guide, you know, was a semifinalist or a finalist for the Joe Moore Award, made the honor roll. When you hear from these coaches how these kids are putting it up on their walls and their O-line rooms as a goal now for their season to win this award, it, it, it shows you what's at stake. And so it makes all of us who are involved with it work that much harder and make sure, you know, that we're looking and seeing who's performing well, that we're all cross-checking one another, that we're grinding out tape the way that everyone, you know, around the position of O-line loves to do. And so getting to be a part of that, it just really is special, man. Yeah, it, that that is, that's powerful stuff. And there's a lot of meaning there. You can, you know, that's obvious. And I think one of the coolest things, from my understanding, the way the quote goes is, you know, something along the lines from Joe Moore of, you know, the greatest joy or the greatest pleasure is moving a guy from point A to point B against his will. And, um, you know, I, I thought that the spin on that, that I never really, you know, I always thought that was just referring to the defender. But from what I understand, that's also talking about how he coached his guys and actually getting them to reach that next level and, you know, getting them to become better against their will with kind of without them even you know, realizing, I guess, what's happening at the time. Is that accurate in in terms of that statement from Joe Moore? Absolutely. And, and it's one of those things that it's been so funny and cool for me because being a part of this, you also get to meet a lot of great offensive linemen and pick their brains, and especially the ones that were coached by Coach Moore. It made me realize how similar Coach Moore and Coach Heastand really are because I always said that was what Harry did. You know, he was a crucible. It was going to be a grind, and at times you were going to, you know, really dread coming in because he was going to push you harder than anyone. But if you gave everything and every bit of your time and effort to him, you were going to come out on the other side the best you possibly were. And I said that to guys. I was like, you're going to know how good you want to be at offensive line if you can survive Harry because he's going to push you to the limit. But like you just said about Coach Moore, and I, I've heard it from everybody about him and. I think it's true about Harry as well is if you give all of that to him and you trust that what he's doing and what he's about is because he cares about you and cares about making everyone that plays for him the best they can possibly be, 
you will max out every bit of your ability and then some. I mean, I, I was not a guy with a ton of ability. I had enough to, you know, be an above average college football player, but I was as close to, you know, I was the best I was ever going to be because of Coach Eastand. And I, I know the guys that played for Coach Moore would say the same exact thing. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's finding that way that, you know, the only way to it is grind. Like you do a lot of uncomfortable, repetitive stuff as offensive linemen, but you come out on the other side, the best individually and the best as a unit you can possibly be because of it. Yeah, that's, that's really good stuff, man. And I, I appreciate all of that insight that you've given so far. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, end it now. I, I know I've taken a good amount of your time here, but I did want to just kind of give you a chance to talk a little bit about something that I noticed that you're doing through an organization called Waterboys. And could you just talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Chris Long and Nate Boyer, who, you know, Chris is a, a former number two overall pick and a longtime NFL player, Super Bowl champ, and Nate Boyer, former Green Beret, obviously spent time in the NFL as well, two all-world guys who, uh, you know, saw this need and, and saw that, you know, how much clean drinking water can matter to people and started making those trips over to East Africa and seeing, all right, just what a dire need this was and how much it could help, you know, not only people just day to day, but how much having clean drinking water impacts people's ability to, you know, uh, find education, how much it affects health and safety in those parts of the world. And so, they made it their mission now to go over and build wells in East Africa to give people clean drinking water. And in that process started something that they called uh, Conquer Kili, which Mount Kilimanjaro, one of the largest mountains in the world, they go and climb every year to raise money and awareness for the need for clean drinking water over in that part of the world. And so they started making that climb, I believe, five or six years ago now. And taking and pairing groups of, you know, uh, former NFL players, current NFL players, on that climb, as well as veterans from the armed forces and bringing those two groups of people together, you know, that can certainly, uh, you know, benefit so much from being around each other, but also are used to being around causes bigger than themselves. And so uh, they you know, usually done it with those groups was really fortunate when I reached out this year about, you know, wanting to go, I'd seen the work that Chris had done. I, I, you know, everyone had gotten exposed to it as he won the Walter Payton man of the year in the NFL last year. And they've, you know, made the exception in a, in a couple of spots for some special, you know, some, some people that, you know, expressed interest like myself. And so now getting that opportunity at the end of February to go over with them to Tanzania and to go conquer Kilimanjaro and more importantly, along the way, try and raise as much money as pop possible to make sure that people are getting these resources, this vital life resource in water, something that, that we all take so much for granted and, and that can do and help so much. So super humbled and appreciative to be a part of what, you know, Chris and Nate have been doing for so long. So, you know, anyone who is interested in finding out more can check out waterboys.org, Chris Long Foundation, uh, all doing such tremendous work and something that I'm really excited about. That's phenomenal stuff, man. And I uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. I think everyone's going to appreciate it and really get a lot from it. So yeah, just uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. And um, just take care. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it.